<laughs> Amy, um, it, it's amazing. When I said in 1985, I mean, uh, what were you doing in 1985? <laughs> and you've been on the staff here since, since then. Uh, but I know that there were a, a couple of very significant dates, 1990 and 1994, that are connected to your calling. Will you say a little bit about those? I'd love to, yes. In 1990, we held a conference here uh, with uh, some prophets from Kansas City. They were known as the Kansas City Prophets. And they came to teach how this gifting of the Holy Spirit should be used. <clears throat> and Sandy asked if they would pray for a number of the staff, not in the public setting here, but downstairs. And I was one of those who was prayed for. And I'll never forget it because um, we had... Uh, John Paul Jackson and Bob Jones, and we sat across the table from them. And Bob Jones started. They, they, they were two of the. They were two of the prophets, them. yes. And Bob Jones started by saying to me, "Emmy, just put up your hands." So I put up my hands like this. Then he put his hands up. He leant forward, and as he touched my hands, twenty thousand volts of power went through my body, and I was glued to this parcel. I could not move, and literally the fear of God came on me because it was quite an awe-inspiring experience. And then they started to prophesy, they took it in turns, and it was all in poetic rhyme. And part of what they said, because there was quite a lot, they said that I would be a key unto many whom themselves could no longer be free. I would be right in the middle of the Salvation Army, bringing the love of Christ to people in a mighty way, and that a teaching ministry would rest on me to reveal the love of Christ mightily. You can hear the rhyming. And at the time, I hadn't a clue what it meant. I put it in my journal, and I read it afterwards, thinking I don't really know what this means, because um, nothing along those lines was happening. But three months later, Sandy Miller, who was the vicar, stopped me outside the vicarage and said to me, Em, I'm on the board of visitors of Holloway Prison. The chaplain's rather stretched with all the needs of the women there. He's asked me who at HTB could get involved. And because I was staff, I thought he was asking my advice as to who in the congregation could be involved. And then Sandy stopped and he said, well, actually, Em, I thought of you. I thought, oh, no, 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 not, not prison ministry. You know, I went to boarding school. That, that was bad enough. Um, so so uh, I said to Sandy, can I go home and pray about this? So he said, yes. So I went home, opened my journal, reread the words, a key unto many whom themselves can no longer be free. And I went, oh, no, Lord. I think that does sound like a prison. So... I went for an interview at Holloway, convinced the chaplain would think I was far too posh to go and work in Holloway Prison. Uh, but at the end of the interview, he said, we'd like you to start as soon as possible. So Holloway Prison was my training ground, and I went out of obedience, number one to God, but out of obedience also to my boss, Sandy Miller, um, but still praying with my prayer partner. I don't understand why I'm doing this, because I really don't know why um, I'm going into Holloway every week. But then in 1994, which was another significant date, uh, the Holy Spirit started to move very powerfully all around the world. Um, everybody started to talk about the Toronto blessing. And uh, I happened to know one Tuesday morning at staff meeting that some of our clergy weren't there because they were at Ellie Mumford's home, she's a vineyard pastor, where she had just come back from Toronto and was telling everybody about her experience. So Nicky Gumbel comes back to a lunchtime meeting taking place in the crypt, and he'd missed the meeting because he was at the other, and he stood at the door and said, look, I'm sorry I've got to go, and I said, Nicky, how, how did it go this morning? 
because I was aware where he'd been. He said it was great. So I said, well, you can't go without praying. So he stood at the door and just said, Lord, thank you. Just fill these people with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Turned to go out. And as he turned to go out, the spirit of God started to move in that crypt room on many of us, and including me. Now, I'm quite a normal person. You know, I'm, I, as you saw, I'm a, I was a sister in the hospital. And um, I don't normally behave sort of out of my normal surroundings terribly so but I just experienced the love of Jesus in a way I had never experienced the love of Christ before and I had what I call the googly feeling in my tummy and um, I remember just flinging up my arms and saying Lord I love you so much I don't mind where you send me or where I go and three months later I got a phone call from Nicky Gumbel and he said um there's a, a a prisoner at Exeter prison who has rung me asking if I would go down and introduce the Alpha course. But he said, my diary is a little full. So I told him that I know someone who does prison ministry, so you, you work in prison, you can go. I said, Nikki, I, I work in a women's prison. I've never been into a men's prison. He said, oh, just ring the chaplain. He sounds really nice. <laughs> so I did. I rang the chaplain, Bill Birdwood, and he was very nice. And on December the 12th, 1994, I took a team of seven people down to extra prison. And there was a man sharing a cell with his father called Michael Emmett, who many of you might already know. And um, we spent uh, 25, 30 minutes explaining how the spirit was moving and giving our own testimonies. And then we invited the spirit to come into that chapel. And uh, it was holy chaos. There were bodies on the floor. You know, this is not normal in prisons. Um, there were people laughing. There were people crying. And Brian, who is a tough guy, Michael's dad, you know, he, they worked with the Cray tr uh, twins. They, you know, he was involved with the mafia. But he fell to the floor and for 20 minutes was rolling in what I call that gut-wrenching laughter. And eventually Michael, the son, helped him off his feet and gave him a hug and said, Dad, I've never, ever seen you laugh like that. And then Michael said, can I learn to pray for people like you do? And so we started to pray for this guy and he started to shake. And Michael started to biff him on the shoulder saying, you've got it, you've got the spirit of God, you've got it. And I thought that's not how we train people how to pray, but <laughs> we don't biff people. Um, and they went on and did the Alpha course in uh, 1995. Uh, uh, and then they got transferred out of that prison because you never keep big time criminals in one place and they got put in Swells High Prison. And one of the things the chaplains have to do is go around and meet all the new people. So these two men said to the chaplain, do you run Alpha here? What's Alpha, said the chaplain. Oh, if you ring Emmy at HTB, she'll bring a team down. So I got this cold call from the chaplain saying, I gather you know a little bit about the Alpha course. Could you come down and explain, you know, introduce it? So I went, yes. Anyway, I went down to Swellside Prison, never been there in my life, and Michael had dragged all his naughty friends along from the wings and said, you're coming to chapel. And we introduced the Alpha course. And we went back there every time they had an Alpha course, which was, I think, three or four times. And then they got transferred to Maidstone Prison. Within 24 hours, hello, I'm the chaplain of Maidstone Prison. I gather you'll come down and tell us about the Alpha course. So God used two serving prisoners to spread the Alpha course. I was just running to keep up with them. I mean, I... <laughs> and, 
and um, in uh, Holloway, you met pretty amazing people as well. Just say about Yes, um, I came back, uh, I did go out to Toronto um, for a few days and had the most amazing experience there. But I came back, flew overnight on the Monday, Sunday night, and normally if you have an overnight flight, you have a rest day, but Mondays was my prison day. So I went into Holloway, and um, there was a sweet lady called Mabel, and she'd had a baby in prison. And she was a lovely Christian, I used to visit her every week. So on that occasion, I went into her cell, and she was lying flat on her bed because she damaged her back. And other prisoners and staff had had to care for her baby. So she could see I was really excited about the Holy Spirit. So she said to me, tell me more. And then eventually she said, well, aren't you going to pray for my back? So I said, okay. So you know when you've got a bad back, you sort of eke yourself out on the edge of the bed. So she did that. And I laid my hands on her back and I just commanded healing and asked her how she was doing. And she said, well, actually, nothing's happening. So I prayed a bit longer, nothing happening. So eventually I said, Mabel, I've got other people I need to go and visit. So she said, well, aren't you going to go and tell the ladies on this wing first about your experience of, of being filled with the Spirit. And I said, but I don't really know them. She said, well, I think you should. So I came out of her cell, walked down quite a bit of a corridor around the corner to where all the women were having um, tea with their babies. And I needed to stand up because I wasn't expecting to do this, but I stood in front of these women I'd never met. And I said, listen, everybody, the Spirit of God is moving powerfully all around the world. And before I could finish, Mabel had appeared from her room, her cell, and she was jumping up and down going, my back, my back is healed, it's healed. And everybody just, <laughs> they, they looked at her and they said, that has to be God because they knew she couldn't really get out of bed. And then every single woman who I'd never met said, would you pray for me? So I went round one by one by one, got to a middle lady, and I said, what can I pray for you? And she said, tomorrow I'm being deported to Nairobi, but please could you pray I go to New York City? <laughs> so I said, well, why do you want to go to New York City? She said, well, I've got this son here, but my husband and my other two children live in New York City. Fair enough, I said, let's pray. I prayed the briefest prayer, Lord, please somehow get this lady on a plane tomorrow to New York instead of Nairobi, amen. Continue praying for everybody else. Following Monday I went in, Mabel's back was strong and fine and I rather nervously said, did you ever hear from that lady being trans um, uh, you know, who left prison? And she said, oh yes. I said, what happened? And she said, she rang on Wednesday to say, you'll never guess where I'm speaking from. I'm, ri I'm ringing from New York. <laughs> but this was the amazing story. She was actually with her boarding ticket at the door of the plane going to Nairobi, and an official came and tapped her on the shoulder from behind saying, you're on the wrong flight, you need to follow me. Took her back up the channel, ran to a different uh, gate, and that flight was going to New York City. So it was an utter miracle. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Emmy. Uh, help us because, I mean, when we hear stories like that and how God's worked through you, there's probably not one of us here who doesn't want more of that. Well, what's the key? I mean, how, how can we have that? Well, what I love about the Holy Spirit is, is he's a person, number one, um, part of the Trinity. You know, so the Spirit and Jesus, if you love Jesus, you love the Holy Spirit and vice versa. And I remember, particularly in 94, I, I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, I want my people to be excited about my ministry because, you know, the Spirit of God, he empowers us, he transforms us, he changes us, he calls us to fall in love with Jesus. So 
Reading God's Word is something I love doing, and in God's Word, it's so clear how the Spirit is a thread all the way through the Bible. Um, and I love the fact in 1 Corinthians 14, St. Paul says, eagerly desire the spiritual gifts. So, you know, if we eagerly desire, then the Spirit of God loves to, to fulfill that desire. So reading, um, being obedient to God, but then trusting that God has the best plan for you. Um, you know, Jeremiah 29, 11 says, uh, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. So trusting God, but also just um, surrendering. I think we tend to hold on to parts of our lives out of fear that if we allow God to come into that area, we might miss out, or because we feel we need to be in control. But when I put on my, my, my arms like this, and I said, Lord, I love you so much, I don't mind where you send me, I've had the best, most exciting life I could possibly imagine. And if I'd held on and said, well, you know, this isn't for me, um, I wouldn't have done half the things I've been able to do. Well, I mean, on that, and I know you don't mind me asking this, um, you, you're single and um, you've never been married. Um, and I'm aware that in our church community, I think by, by far the greatest proportion of people who come to church here are, are single. Um, was that part of your plan? You know, what, no, I'm, I'm, what, what, how, what would you say to us as a community about that? Because that strikes yeah. me as where the rubber hits the road a bit. No, I'm the biggest romantic. I mean, I was planning to get married at the age of 23, which was the year my, the age my mum married. And, um, but then I was away on a, a weekend with a whole lot of friends over New Year. And the guy who came to speak was talking and challenging us, us all over that weekend about vision. And he said, have you got vision for your lives? And I sat there rather smugly thinking, yes, I'm a really senior nurse in the hospital. Um, I love my work. Um, I'm sure I'm gonna meet my husband soon. Uh, then I'll get married. Then when I get pregnant with my first child, I'll leave my nursing career and have probably at least six children. Um, because I love kids, as you saw, I'm a children's trained nurse as well. And um, there's a verse in Proverbs 16, verse nine, that says, in his heart, a man plans his course, but the Lord orders his steps. So uh, on that weekend, this guy who was speaking suggested on the Saturday night that we might all like to kneel and invite the Holy Spirit to show us his vision for our lives. And I thought, I don't need to do that because I know where I'm going. I was so arrogant. And um, you know, when you close your eyes and then you're, look slightly to the side and you think, oh my goodness, other people are kneeling. So I thought, oh, I better not be the only one not kneeling. So I knelt on the ground and as I did so, I, I saw this picture of a yacht and it was in a be beautiful sea, it was probably the Med, um, but it wasn't sailing because the, the sail was tightly wrapped around the mast. And I thought, well, that's a shame. So in my mind's eye, I literally unfurled the sail and as I did so, the wind of the spirit hit the sail, and I got knocked over on the floor. And it was not in the days when people particularly fell on the floor in any manner. And as I lay there thinking, I'm moving, I'm moving, the, the, a journey is starting. And I thought, this is really exciting, but I still had no idea where, where it was going to take me. Um, but looking back over the years, it's been fine being single because I've had opportunities to travel. You know, when you get ordained and you get sent to all these far-flung places, you know, I've been in Guatemala and the island of Guam, I've been in Kenya, I've been in Canada, I've been literally all around the world. 
And actually, some of my married friends are a little bit jealous <laughs> of, of my life because, you know, they're stuck with one person. And I'm... <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and, and I... And I have just had the joy of... of and I, th I think, you know, there are two... Jesus said, you know, we should actually love him with all our hearts. And I think if you love him with all your hearts and all your mind and all your strength, but then the second greatest commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. And if you love other people, everything else just falls in, into, into place. And I often say you can love other people's children as if they're your own, but hand them back. <laughs> um, and I've got, lo I mean, I've, my, my, my prayer partner, I've married all three of her children, not married with them, but, you know, <laughs> officiated at their weddings. So, yeah, it's been an amazing time. And uh, you're stepping down from the staff team. Um, I mean, you're continuing. In minute, you're not sort of retiring. It's just like you won't like, get paid for it. I'm um, refiring. <laughs> I'm refiring, Archie. How, how do you... How, what's the key to keeping going for such a long period of time? Because you're yeah. as alive now as I think you were when I first met you, and that was a long, long time ago. When you were very young, yeah. yes. Um, <laughs> well, I was just about born in 1985. <laughs> I think the, uh, the answer to that is keeping in step with the Spirit every single day of your life. You know, when I'm walking, when I'm biking, when I'm whatever, I'm praying, I'm praying in tongues, I'm just allowing the, the Spirit to lead me and guide me and fill me. And I, I do think when you have the Spirit, He does make you feel younger and gives you more energy to do the next thing. I love this photo of you, Em. Um, <laughs> that is you, isn't it? Yeah, th th this is me, yes. Say, um, so, say about, I love, it just sums you up, your adventure and courage and fun. So say I've, about that. I've always wanted on a bucket list to skydive, and um, we had a fundraising uh, dinner for the William Wilberforce Trust many years ago, and one of the prizes was uh, a skydive, and I thought, I'm going to bid for that. I think I bid a lot of money for it, but anyway, I won it, and um, I jumped out of an aeroplane with the Red Devils, uh, in 2013, which is the year I was priested. So I was 60 that year, wow. priested that year, and jumped out of an aeroplane at 15,000 feet. The only problem was, just before I jumped out, unfortunately, the instructor said, um, I need to tighten your, your tandem straps. So on the count of three, stand up. I hadn't realized how low the ceiling of the plane was, so I stood up with great excitement and then almost knocked myself out. Um, so as we then jumped out of the plane, I felt very sick, actually, but... Um, <laughs> But it was a wonderful experience, and I'm glad I ticked it off my bucket list. And what is it about, um, what do you want to say to us? Well, I guess the sky's the limit. You know, when you love the Lord, um, and if you just surrender everything to him, that's when your life really takes off. Emmy Wilson, everyone. Amazing. <laughs> Should we stand?